Hey everybody, it's Jeff. So, uh, we had a kid earlier than planned. So I'm just going to let you listen to our very first episode of TWIM. Doesn't that sound fun? You can hear how terrible we were. So that's what you're going to do this week. We were going to do a new show, but that's not going to happen. And next week we have an awesome show planned already, per normal. So without further ado, enjoy Jeff and Al in February 2010, being fools. Thanks for listening. Welcome to This Week in Mormons. Thank you very much for joining us for our lively discussion. My name is Jeff. And I'm Al, and we are bringing you This Week in Mormons. You're probably wondering, what is This Week in Mormons? Well, there's kind of a rash of This Week in shows going around, and we wanted to jump in there for the, throw our hat into the Mormon crowd. And we think that there's a lot of stories and and political issues and movements and different things that will affect the Mormon community and, you know, the church itself and the members. And we wanted to be able to kind of bring that together in a quick, succinct show that you could listen to and digest in a half hour or so. And so we're jumping in and excited to do so. I'm here with my buddy Jeff, and we're just ecstatic to be talking Mormons. I am your buddy Jeff. (laughs) Here I am. And there he is. So uh, we have a whole agenda of stuff to talk about this week. And we do. Uh, actually, yes. Th- th- so this week, what we will be discussing, a new Mormon battalion monument in San Ooh. Diego and church technology, the Phoenix Temple and issues surrounding that. Also, obesity, religiosity, Christendom, and how that affects Utah and your weekend. Those are the things that we'll, we, we will be discussed. Those are the <laughs> things we will be discussing today so uh i believe al's gonna kick us off here oh, obe- ahead, obesity and christianity it's the best headline you could possibly hope for we have the whole conservative right going with us um they're they're meat eaters they're okay with it oh they're they're all about it hey i'm all we love about our red what, am meat. I, what am i talking about i played football so uh let's see we were we were where were we the the mormon battalion yeah so the this came out just this morning in the lds newsroom the Mormon Battalion uh, Center or or headquarters site down in San Diego has <laughs> has rededicated. Apparently, they've rebuilt the entire center. Now, I I actually I've been there. I'm I'm kind of a Mormon Battalion buff. I enjoy the uh, the history of the Mormon Battalion, and I truth be told, in, in full disclosure here, I am a holder of the Mormon Battalion badge. Stop from uh, from scouting, oh yeah, you know it's. Not I a, am convinced that that merit badge does not exist. It, it's it's not a merit badge, but it That's what I'm it saying. does exist. I assure you, because well, the requirements were something like you had to go and sleep out on the trail of the Mormon the Mormon Battalion trail and eat food that they would have eaten. something kind of quirky like that. And I had to dress like a pioneer and wear really? a, a side bag instead of my backpack. It was kind of odd. But, uh, so it's basically the wilderness survival merit badge, <laughs> except, while, reading your, except while reading your scriptures. Except the uh, the Mormon Battalion Trail parallels I seventy through Kansas, and so it was much easier than a wilderness survival badge. We just uh, yeah. we just pulled the car off into a rest stop and called that. <laughs> but uh, 
But I, so I've been to the Mormon Battalion Center a couple of times. It was, you know, it's kind of nifty. They just had a map and stuff up there. But from what I can tell from this article, it looks like they've made it uh, quite a bit more interactive, a little bit more technologically advanced, um, kind of borrowing some some props from the the Disneyland world, I think. And the the issue I wanted to kind of – well, not really an issue, but the, the main point I wanted to highlight out of this is just kind of the church's embracing of – uh, technology, you know, for a long time, it was kind of a, a resistant culture, you know, the, the church as a whole didn't, didn't really embrace technology. They wanted to be late adopters rather than early adopters or even normal adopters. They want to be very late to the game to make sure that the, that the technology had defined itself in the market before they took it into any kind of role within the church, um, or within its organization. And so to see this, you know, to see the church kind of move in that direction, um, with the, with these sites of making them more interactive, more using more tech in the displays and stuff. It, I'm not sure if it says that the church is, is adopting earlier or if the advances in technology are, are becoming less dramatic. But, um, I think we're definitely seeing an, an improvement or a picking up of the pace overall as a whole, um, you know, of technology with, by the church, which is kind of exciting, I think. I think it is also very exciting. Uh, all too often, I agree that it's often felt like the church is pretty far behind uh, as far as technological stuff. And I felt that way for a long time, really only until recent years, they seem to have picked up the pace quite a bit. Well, because when, yeah. when I was a younger guy, I worked in the, uh, in the office, you know, like doing the membership records and stuff for our ward. And, uh, there's quite a bit of, of just, you know, the, the technology that we had was like 1400 baud modems until, the year 2000. I mean, they, they wouldn't submit records with anything over broadband or DSL. They just didn't want to do that. They, it was all this archaic, ancient technology, it felt like. And, uh, it, so, so to finally, finally be coming into our own using broadband to submit records and transfer people around. Oh, it's, it's pretty impressive. It's, exciting. well, it's one, it's wonderful. And aside from that, I remember I've, I've worked in a capacity where I've been in the office as well. And, um, yeah, membership records or counting tithing or whatever. I mean, before MLS existed, which I'm sure you've used, it, it was this, this really like tedious system for doing everything. It, it made no sense. It was essentially like using DOS to try to, <laughs> to, to do all the church work without any kind of great like user interface to do anything. Um, you get on the church uh, BBS board and. And yeah, well, uh, you might have to explain to our, our lay listeners what a BBS board is. Uh, B- BBS was the pre-internet days where you could host like a like a little mini interwebs. Yeah, what is I forgot I forgot what BBS stands for though. Uh, I have no idea. You have no idea. I I hosted one and I had my my shotgun modems connected uh, to forgot. each other. I remember it means it just means bulletin board system. Oh, that's right, that's right. It was effectively a, just a chat room, basically. Anyway, yeah, but the church has embraced technology at a great level. Well, cause I, I love that as not, not too long ago, I sat in with a, with the church's CTO, um, in a, in a kind of a, uh, broad, well, forum type discussion. And, uh, first I was pretty surprised the church had a CTO. <laughs> the church has a chief technology officer. It's a, apparently, yeah. <laughs> apparently. Who knew? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I wonder what the Cal- I wonder if the Catholic Church has a technology division, but uh, I don't know. I am at, well. I watched twenty minutes of Angels and Demons the other day, <laughs> and uh, because enough to convince was, you, Jeff. No, the file was corrupted, so I gave up trying to watch the movie. Um, 
Yes, I am convinced. They go deep in the Vatican and Tom Hanks is sitting there with high-tech computers and stuff with the Vatican police. So I believe they embrace technology. <laughs> and then they burn, what is it, blue smoke from the Sistine Chapel, which is great too. So And, and so... Uh, yeah, so, so we have our own technology officer, probably, uh, not as, not as, uh, deep underground as the Vatican's throws of technology that, uh, that you see in Angels and Demons, but, uh, we've got a technology officer all the same. Well, and the stuff that, it, that he was bringing up was stuff that, um, was fairly cutting edge, but, you know, his comment was that the church as a whole wouldn't be able to adopt it until, well, really, like, I said earlier, until the, the technology had defined itself. Um, because really, you know, one, this shouldn't be a surprise, but I doubt we're going to see the church tweeting anytime soon or, you know, even, even yeah. Facebook. I wonder if there's an official church app. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. No, well, this is what we, you and I were talking about this before. That's something I would love to see because as the world is going mobile on their mobile phones, as everyone's got a smartphone nowadays and everything, I would love to see an app for the church stuff that, that serves all the same needs as LDS.org, which has become a, uh, you laugh, but think LDS.org has become a really, really useful website in recent years. I mean, they've made it, far, they've redone the layout. They've made it far more intuitive. Now you have the, the Mormon well, the, videos. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of like the Apple commercial. It's like need to write a talk for sacrament meeting. There's an app for that. There's an app for that. Yeah. And then all the Android users will get on about how like Apple's horrible and everything. Um, but I would I would love to see something like that because there are a lot of random applications that exist that, that perform some of those functions. Like I have one app on my phone that's a word list thing and I can go to my website and, and export the word list into my phone and use that. There's another application I use to, that called the Reveal Reader, which can give me all of the scriptures and right. conference talks and like anything I want. But it would be cool if you had an actual church sanctioned application it, it might when it, it had all be. that same function if all if that I, same functionality oh go ahead oh that's what i'm saying i would just love something with all that functionality whether it's to, to search the whole church database for talks for the current issue of the ensign or you know past issues meeting house locators whatever you know just an, an all-encompassing app well in the church i i, I think i agree to an extent but but really if i had a wish list it would be that the church would open up its platform a little bit and let developers kind of develop with their um, the, the media that they have on the site, you know, I, I, well, I just think that there's significantly better developers out there than what the church would, would, um, sanction itself. And so if they would, you know, if they could open up okay. some of the, some of the access to the site so that it, developers could, um, develop around that material freely, um, I think we'd see a lot better applications come out, you know, a lot better stuff like that. And so if I had a wish list, that would be it. I, I can almost guarantee that that won't happen. But, um, no, you know, no. if the church, the church if, takes the, uh, the Apple approach to its content, not the Google approach. Right, right. Close it up and, and control the, the message. That's true. Which is, well, which is understandable because obviously we can't have, you know, we can't have the, the whims of man well, guiding, uh, well, church and, functions. Obviously, we are guided by revelations. So. Well, and that make that makes sense though, because, you know, if you open it up to, to developers that are developing, um, good apps. You're also going to have developers developing crummy apps and you don't want, you know, in the end, you don't want a user to get an experience or to have an experience where they're trying to, um, or trying to access the church's material and have the app kind of solely the experience and, and ruin yeah, that. Definitely. So I don't know. It's the catch 22, but still I would love to, uh, to have some, some 
open access to pulling yeah. that media down and, and formatting it how I see fit. It'd be great. And I, I just love the general approach the church is taking when it seemed like for so long we were afraid to embrace technology. Right, right. Even in the sm- even in the smallest way, like I'd sit there and go, like, when are they just going to put some of the videos on DVD? You know, after DVD was well established as the medium for delivering video. <laughs> or do, do you re- then- do you remember the uh, the churches like the translation stuff they used to have back in the day for when you'd be in a multilingual ward and it was like the the headsets with the full on three foot antennas and the guy up in the front with the big old mask thing talking into it. I don't know that I ever had that. I did have on my mission, we had uh, some remote headsets that you just turn to a certain frequency and then you turn the microphone to a certain frequency, but we just sat in the back and translated into English. Oh, they're, they're super slick oh, now, but back in the day, I, it was it was this huge, huge operation. Yeah. And you're like, well, and you'd sit there and watch it, and you're just like, I know we've got better technology than this. Why are we still living in 1978? <laughs> this doesn't but make I sense. Yeah. I agree. Either way, though, it's it's good to see that now we are trying to do a lot more with that. I mean, I mean, even finally, at the level of, you know, of the apostleship, I remember Elder Ballard gave a talk a while ago. That's right. Year, that's right. Year, year, year and a half ago. Don't don't quote me on that. But in the immediate past, discussing the importance that we can do as members, as member missionaries, and using new technology to further the work of the church. And I remember that distinctively because I swear it was the first time. I ever heard something coming from somewhere like a general authority in general conference discussing why it was important for us to, to utilize Twitter and Facebook and all these <laughs> things to blog and to network and to further the work of the church rather than letting all of that be an impediment to the church's growth. I do remember that was a monumental day when I heard Elder Ballard say the word Facebook and thought, oof, Zuckerberg, <laughs> lucky man, lucky man. Oh, you Zuckerberg, you got apostles calling you out now. Uh- well, I don't know. They didn't. They didn't really give much guideline on on how to do that. I think it's interesting too. I mean, there's there's a lot of the. I, I wonder. I wonder how helpful some of these blogs are. You know, or even even a program like this. You know, it's how how helpful is this? Like, did the did they really good good, good job, Al? Sink our boat before it is even. <laughs> well, I'm, Very you know, well, I'm not saying that that it that it's bad, but like, I wonder if if you know it, just the. The more openness around the church is kind of what they had in mind because that's, I think that's more the result, um, more than anything. I don't think it's more, you know, direct like here, you, you know, everybody that listens to this should be baptized or everybody that reads my blog should join the church. No, yeah. It's yeah, more yeah, just yeah. kind of open communication. Let's, you know, let's remove some of the ambiguity and, and misunderstandings that persist through, um, you know, through keeping kind of a closed community around it. Yeah, and I actually, while we were talking, I found the talk. Yeah, it was from the uh, October '09 conference, so just a year ago. Oh, well, bravo! Yeah, there's, a, there's. A, I love the sections here. I and mean, look at this. When, it, when it's broken down, uh, one section is called "Blogging about the Church in Everyday Life," creating blogs about full-time missionaries using other online forums. It's a strong medium for sharing testimony. So I think it's pretty interesting. Oh, uh, what was uh, that? Can- well, did you see that? Have you seen that? Um, there's a there's a database now. I just got an invitation to it the other day, but there. There's a database of people that are archiving sacrament meeting talks. So you write a talk for sacrament meeting, you submit it to this database, and it becomes – they're trying to build kind of this library slash uh, repository of LDS-themed talks on various topics. Did you see that? I don't believe I have, actually, no. Uh, it's It was coming through on Facebook, I think. It was, it was fairly big. They had like – they have like 10,000 talks, I think, archived. Um, but again, you know, kind of an interesting idea of, of flooding 
keywords with, um, yeah, with, with content that, that, uh, you've controlled or created as mm-hmm. a, as a community, right? Yeah. It's an interesting idea. And, and what I, I love that we have a chance to do this as church members. It's a great way for us to better utilize technology to further the message of the church and to further the understanding of what the church represents. Because oftentimes whenever the church has gotten bad press, I think more than anything, it's because people just don't understand what the church actually is. Sure. And, and sadly we still see that all the time today. And right now we're seeing a lot of this with the uh, temple that's been announced in Phoenix. I don't know if you followed much about uh, in, the, in Phoenix. No, I have. I have. Phoenix. Don't mock me. I love the Valley of the Sun, and I love each and every <laughs> one of you listening to us from that valley. But you see, recently, uh, a couple of years ago, reasonable. It was somewhat soon after President Monson. I don't want to say took office, but for lack of a better expression, um, he announced first temples in Gilbert. And then in Gila Valley, Arizona. And Gilbert, of course, is like across the freeway from Mesa. So it was kind of interesting. It's like having a temple in Provo and in Orem. But whatever <laughs> works, I, I fully trust Revelation. But it did leave the northwest part of the the whole Phoenix Valley still without a temple where a lot of people live. So then they announced one shortly thereafter for Phoenix. The difference, though, is unlike Gilbert, where the temple has basically been rubber stamped because... Everybody. There are many reasons. There are many reasons, but by and large, people regard Gilbert as kind of a Provo South. Uh, there's a substantial Mormon population. Maybe, there. maybe Tooele. We call it a Tooele. It's a lot nicer than Tooele. It's Tooele minus the nuclear waste, <laughs> which is a wonderful thing. Sure. Um, anyways, though, with the the Phoenix thing, they've had a lot of opposition, and it reminds me a lot of when they built a temple in my native Orange County, California, about the Newport Beach Temple that we built there. Uh, the same thing happened. There was a lot of opposition. The residents didn't like the color. They didn't. They didn't like the flood lighting. They didn't like the size, traffic concerns, what have you. It's it's like when you're trying to break up in a relationship, and all of a sudden everything's the problem. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> it's like Everything no, your your is lighting is bad. Oh, and the white. I hate white. You know, I hate white. Yeah, and so we know what happened with the Newport Temple is eventually they had to um, they changed the color. That's why it's kind of a salmon color. It's sandstone now. And they turned the lights off at like 10 o'clock. They lowered the steeple for one. So it's a little, it looks more like an old California mission, which thankfully works with the history of the region. So it's not like too awkward or anything like that. Right. But if you want to see what it's supposed to look like, look at a temple like Sacramento, which is of the same floor plan, but was basically the size as it was, was intended to be for Newport. And I'm not diminishing any of the importance of the temples. Uh, it's, it's a huge blessing to have one close by having no, absolutely, having, absolutely. having had to go to the Los Angeles temple before that, which is just like you sit in so much traffic going out there that all of the good spirit and goodwill you had building up for a temple for temple work is just gone by the time you get out to West LA. So it's a huge blessing to be able to drive 20 minutes and be down there in, in minimal traffic. It's great. Uh, and it's wonderful. And now that I'm seeing what's happening here in Phoenix, Uh, Similar stuff, especially the big contentious issue here has been the height. And for any of you listening, you might be more familiar with this than than we are. You might live in the area. I know it's up on a hill. It's in far north Phoenix. A lot of people have griped that it blocks an important view. You've painted a word picture for me, Jeff. I I have it in my mind. So so it's supposed to be, uh, it's too tall apparently. And that's because the maximum height allowed for zoning, for residential zoning, is a 30-foot building. Now, m- most of the time, the churches use the little caveat that religious buildings are exempt from this, and oftentimes that's upheld. I've, I've generally always seen that to be upheld. Right. And, and though when they have relented and still made temples smaller, it's to appease 
the population like they did in Newport Beach. Legally, they could have made it tall, but they decided for the sake of, you know, PR, like, let's meet, meet people halfway. Because, you know, the funny thing with temples, right, is that we know they're divinely inspired. Um, but I don't know how well it works when you go into a planning commission meeting and explain to them the temple has to be this way. <laughs> no, no, Mayor, you don't understand. No, Mayor, you don't understand. This is a, I, I mean, we know this is true, but of course this is a struggle in that obviously not everyone is required to share our our belief and understanding of modern revelation. Right. So um, so they often relent. They did that with Newport. And now it seems that the church is trying to make the building in Phoenix 40 feet. Well, and, didn't they? Isn't this like the third time they're coming back to this, though? I mean, are, is it that the community keeps asking them to change? Or is are are they coming to a compromise? Is the church countering the offer? Um, I don't know how well they're countering. It, it appears, from what I've been reading about it anyway, that the church originally wanted 40 feet. Like, I don't think they were shooting for a 60-foot building or anything like that. Like, they wanted a 40-foot building, and people have been up in arms about it, but the church has still gone ahead, and the and Phoenix Planning Commission approved it and everything. That's fine. So they were going to go ahead, but then they've had enough signatures from the residents to challenge uh, the church's building of the temple in an election to say it has to be 30 feet because of zoning rules. Ah, beauty. So this, so the church, in an effort to avoid an expensive election and also, you know, all the bad press that would come because of something like that. I mean, who wants to have the construction of a temple challenged, not just in court, but in an election? <laughs> you know, like you're going to have people vote. Can the Mormons build their temple or not? And then you have all the, all the drama of like, well, you bust people in from Gilbert. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I know. So uh, <laughs> as of right now, the church, I guess, has said they'll take it down to 30 feet. And I don't know how much back on the drawing table that means every... So that's like the size there. of a Taco Bell. That's great. Roughly, yes. And if if I see... Yeah, there's a little... Uh, at azcentral.com, there's an older article here that I pulled up just for a diagram they show of the proposed temple design, which would go all the way up to 126 feet with the spire. Spires are exempt from zoning laws. And then it shows, you know, the typical neighborhood church is supposed to be like 22 feet high or something like that. And a single-story residence is like 13 feet tall. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes so that our listeners can see it. But no, that is... No. One, one of the... Oh, go ahead, Al. Go I was, ahead. I was, you know, I'm just... It, it seems it seems a little absurd that there'd be so much resistance to uh, to a temple coming into your community, particularly around the fact that the, time after time, I mean, the community is the one that's that's really benefited or benefited from this. I mean, the church... The church gets a temple there, but it, in the community, wherever the temple ends up, I mean, it's the the housing prices go up. I mean, your value goes up. Um, you're bringing in a, a like a high caliber of people. It's not like it's not like you're putting in a, a bar or a, or a strip club or something where you're worried about you know how later you're going to be bringing riffraff in and you know the noise and yada yada yada. It's <laughs> this is. Hello, we we like to build yeah. a sanctuary in your community where people can come and reflect and 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 find peace in their lives. And it's like, no, that is not yeah, what we want. And the funny thing is, oftentimes residents have huge concerns about traffic, which is understandable. But again, it's the, it's not understanding. I mean, temples really, aside from their open house, it's a minimal traffic issue when you get down to it. If you really wanted to protest at one of our church bu- buildings. For traffic reasons, you would want to protest the construction of an actual meeting house. Right. <laughs> Wednesday the, nights and Sunday mornings. Because those are the ones that have this regular flow of a substantial amount of people at one time. People don't get that at temple session, you know, you have 
30 people. Most of them nowadays, 30 or 40 people at a, right. coming in at a time. But usually temples are not major problems for traffic at all. It's very chill. I think In-N-Out would be a bigger a bigger problem than a temple. And though. I believe for our Utah listeners, In-N-Out is a bigger problem right now. Because <laughs> uh, they, are, they are rejoicing to finally have that double-double sinking into their teeth. It's the animal style sinking, that puts it over or the top. Or their teeth sinking into the double-double. Either way, there's there, there are there's sinking teeth are involved. Speaking of about. sinking teeth and double doubles, <laughs> let's let's move right into our favorite tagline of the uh, of oh, the. Oh, there, there was what there was one more thing I wanted to get to about this temple thing. <laughs> oh, but that segue was perfect. No, we'll go back to it. We'll redo it. Okay, we'll just redo it. Okay, uh, what no, do you got? I don't know. Uh, the point is, one thing that makes me think about this with the temple is whenever there's opposition to these, it's usually from a group of people or from whomever, that already have a preconceived notion about the church. So it makes me wonder how much of it is legitimate concern for what the temple will be, you know, if it, whether it'll, you know, ruin property values or traffic. Wait, you mean like, when you you mean s- like how much of it is, is resistance to the church or how much of it is resistance to a, to a temple? Being I think a lot of it is not as much resistance to what the building is and how it stands to impede their way of life as much as it's an excuse to go after the church for something. Well, I think that's... Um, you know that's not entirely unreasonable either, because there is I mean, I mean, there's some pretty I'm ridiculous misconceptions out there that that uh, I think one well, and, and just perceptions that people have where um, one well, I can think in my you know in my case with with some other religions I'd be a little bit hesitant to them coming in because I'd be like wait a minute wait a minute so yeah. I mean I did, not I, not entirely crazy but for the most part no I think, not entirely no I, I think history will speaks to this that. Once a, once a temple goes in or a meeting house goes in, I mean the the experience is fairly pleasant. I mean, like there's really there's nothing bad about the uh, about the the structure or you know the the people no, or anything all. of that nature. I mean, you do- I, I just think I just think it seems that when temples go up in places where the church is not nearly as known, yeah, places I've been, whether you're talking like Europe and Asia, where many people just think we're Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever. <laughs> There, there's. I've never seen that much opposition to anything because people don't oh, aren't even true. aware of what the church. Oh, they're not even aware of what the church is. So they just go, yeah, some like church buildings going up here, whatever. Well, like, and, they don't even think about and, it. And their local church buildings are like, you know, like the like a Pravoslavnik church or something. I mean, it's just this yeah. massive monstrosity. Yeah. So then, so then they uh, they sink their teeth into. <laughs> Which brings us to our next story. No, so uh, so I came across a graph of um, th- this was actually through a, a social network. Is this, is this how teeth sinking works with it? No, <laughs> I I, I gave up. Well, well, so our tagline was Christianity and obesity. I mean, it really grabs the attention. Christianity and obesity. What are fat Christians that was my doing now? But uh, well, which leads me to Miss- Mississippi. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, Woo, so, so there's a there's a graph. That ranks religiousness and then, well, each state by religiousness and then correlates, um, other columns like average IQ, um, murder rate, theft, divorce rate, health and contentment ranking, um, percent who are conservative, obesity, all those things. And, um, I, I came across it through a social networking site called Dig. Which, uh, I don't know how many of you know that. It's kind of a weird place to find anything religious. Uh, but, but I, I thought it was interesting because there were a couple of things that stood out to me when looking at this graph. And I'll put it in the show notes so that you guys can take a look at it yourselves if you want. But 
First, Utah is not ranked number one most religious state, which is funny to me because if you, I bet if you asked anybody on the street, what do you think is the most religious state, people would, or people would either say Utah right off, or if you phrase the question, you know, what do you think of when you think of Utah, they would say religion, religion, religion. Yeah, like, definitely. it's just the obvious thing, but it's ranked 14th on a list behind all of the Bible Belt, Mississippi, Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee, Arkansas, on down, even Kentucky, Texas, West Virginia, Kansas, then finally comes in Utah. But it ranks, so far as IQ goes, it ranks significantly, well, pretty, a little bit higher than, uh, than its nearest competitors and then significantly higher than like Mississippi and Alabama, the, the most religious states. Um, and then you can keep going over and the, it, I don't know, it's, it just keeps being interesting. Murder rate, obviously, I think that's predictable, very low. Um, occurrences of theft, very low, well, medium. Uh, divorce rate, pretty low, which is, well, no, Back what is up it? For a, a four, it's, it's average, which it's kind of a surprise. Kansas beat it on divorce rate. And yeah. why, 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 why do you say, unsurprisingly, Utah's murder rate is low? <laughs> well, you know, there's just not a lot to murder for in Utah. Everybody, are you I, nuts? Outside, there's fry sauce. You could take the fry sauce industry outside, outside of their traffic and their uh, their road rage. I've never seen such angry drivers as in Utah. Do you really think they're that angry in Utah? I've never found them to be angry in Utah. And this is not to alienate anyone listening from Utah. I always found them to be not as much road rage as much as like unaware in some ways now i've seen road when it, rage when it comes man to, there's fire in some women's eyes that like yeah hateful hateful anger the one the one thing now now any of you listening can confirm or deny this put in your two cents i think that the one thing i always notice is utahns don't know how to merge when you're on the freeway to save their life oh, well i maybe i'm confusing them because i see them merging as very aggressively See, maybe it's that. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like they could easily like let you in, and instead they're always cutting you off, trying to jump ahead. Blah blah blah. Exactly. See, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. But anyway, so the fu- well, so isn't it fun? Isn't it funny then that on the list you have Utah is number one in the country for the health and contentment ranking. They are the most content and healthy. That's true. Well, well, and then you go from there. So number one in that. And then the, uh, then you go with all the above ranking states in religiousness though, and their health and contentment ranking is like a 50. It's like very, very low. You go to Mississippi, you're not healthy or content, but you're very religious. So I don't yeah. know. I, I'm not sure what the correlation is, particularly that we're, that we're drawing. I don't out know there. if there's any. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're insinuating anything. It's just kind of interesting data. To, it just seems like Utah bucks the trend. Of many of the other ones where they have where they're highly religious based on this study, yeah, and yeah. Um, it just so it, that's why it just seems that some of the findings later on, after the religiousness, buck more of the trend, and it's almost that Utah shares more in common with some of the uh, the East the Coast quality states. of life, yeah, like the quality of life indexes for a lot of the ones that are like less religious, which is right. when you add these things together. So it's just an, it's kind of an anomaly, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with that. All all hail Utah. <laughs> All hail Utah. It is a wonderful place. Yeah, I think that's, it's just, it's fascinating stuff. And in in our dear Utah, many of you may be aware that, yes, dear Utahns, and I, this has become kind of the Utah show. I don't really know why. This is not about Utah. Neither, neither Jeff or I are from Utah, for the record. 
Nor will we ever be from Utah. But um, Utah, of course, just about a week and a half ago now, you get another temple in Utah. So I'm clapping for you. Congratulations. Well done. You get another temple in Utah. They have really just taken the bull by the horns. It's it's going in in the suburbs of Monticello, if I remember right. Not Monticello. Moab, maybe. Moab will get a temple. They already have one in Monticello, Al. <laughs> See, Al was t- Al was was asking me why. Why did Monticello get a temple? Well, and I have the, and I have the answers. Yeah, it's it's true, but we're not talking about Monticello today, Jeff. Yeah, ta- but right now I kind right now I kind of feel like making you look bad, so I'm well, going to explain it. <laughs> um, it was basically that Monticello was the first temple, the Templet Temple, for those mini temples we started building around 1999. And that's why they got one. But that's, that's still no excuse. I mean, why not put the why not put the mini temple in Payson where you could keep an eye on it? Take because care. they didn't need it then, but today. But Monticello did a, a community of like a thousand people. There's no. It serves one a in. greater region, sir. It's not just for Monticello. It's not like you have to show your your residency card. And if you're from somewhere else close to Monticello, you can't go to the temple. There's there's no one in Monticello though. That's like putting a temple in North Dakota. I don't know if there is one in North Dakota. There, of course there's not. There's no one in North Dakota. <laughs> no, there's not, but there also aren't any members of the church in North Dakota. Whereas, hello, happy land of Utah. Yes, it does have members. All right. Well, so anyway. It does have members. Look, you got Monticello out there. You got Blanding. You know, you got all you got, dude, you've got like it's uh, like hot. Oh my I, say I, I stand corrected. I redact my statement. It is hot town USA out there in Monticello. So bless them. I, I bless believe them I believe you pass a little America hotel and gas station on the way there. You pass happiness while you're there. <laughs> That's what you do. Pure, unadulterated joy for everyone. So before Al started ripping on southeastern Utah, um, I was going to mention that, that, yes, Payson, of course, does get a temple now. Good old Payson gets a temple. And this is wonderful news for the people of Payson. I've wondered about this for some time from my time at BYU. Didn't, didn't you call this back in the day? I remember you predicting. I, I, don't, know, I don't know as much as I called it, but I did. I, I thought out loud and said, yeah, you know, Southern Utah County, that neck of the woods is growing a lot and Provo's <laughs> really full. And I figured if they ever built a temple in Southern Utah County, it would go in Payson. You observed, I see. Because Payson is... Pretty much the bigger city in that. Maybe Spanish Fork's bigger, but Payson's farther down. It wouldn't make sense to put it in Spanish Fork. That's too close. So Payson's far enough down, but it's not so far down that you're like in Santa Quinn, you know. Oh, Santa Quinn with the scones. There is isn't isn't pair- Gary Coleman from Santa Quinn? I don't know where Gary Coleman oh. No, I think Gary Coleman's from somewhere else, but I think now he lives in Orem. That's <laughs> that's the myth anyway. I don't really know. I don't know, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, we get a, another temple in Utah, and it's been interesting that for a long time, you know, after Monticello and I guess Vernal, well, Utah had a good stretch there where it seemed like they were kind of built out uh, on uh, temple building in Utah. I apologize for not knowing that, but I'm like I don't really know my geography of Utah that well. Where's Where's Payson located? In um, like from Salt Lake. It's south of Provo. South of Provo, still okay. It's in southern Utah County. So because the way it is, most of the urbanization. Uh, of that of the whole Wasatch Front, it's really mostly like Springville at the most. I would say for as far as contiguous urbanization, you know, Springville to Provo, uh-huh. all the way up like through Ogden is when it's pretty much just like developed that whole neck of the that whole stretch, right? Okay. 
It's only when you get south of that where Spanish Fork is farther down the 15 to Payson, Santa Quinn. That place has been de- it's been booming for a long time. There are a lot more people there now than there used to be, and they keep building stuff. So uh, it's down that neck of the woods. It's it's like next to Santa Quinn, your beloved Santa Quinn, sir. Does does Tooele have a temple? Sadly, Tooele does not, but it does have <laughs> my summer home. <laughs> Where well, I bask in the glory of nuclear radiation. Well, uh, that's the, <sighs> I'm, I'm sure it's lovely there. I can't wait to see it someday. But uh, I think we're all out of time for this week. We're, yes, we're yeah. hitting right around our 30-minute mark. So go ahead and wrap it up. But it's, uh, we're well past dude, it's it, been fun. Yeah. It's fun to, to shoot the breeze and talk Mormondom for, uh, for a good half hour. It's, it's, these are... Uh, we're hoping that that our listeners get something out of this, primarily around um, you know us bringing together a lot of the stories and and things that that are are out there that could be affecting. Well, they could could be of interest, I guess would be a better way to say it, and uh, putting it all into a thirty minute package. So we hope you guys enjoyed that, and we look forward to doing it more and more week after week. Yeah, and Al, I don't I don't recall what we want you all to contact us. You know, we want to have a discussion. So if you have contact, is it um, right now? It's contact at thisweekinmormon. Yep, and you can check out the show notes and uh, kind of leave comments on it over at thisweekinmormons dot com. And uh, we'd love to hear some feedback. We we enjoy doing this, and so we'd like to know what you guys think and suggestions. And if you have if you find uh, kind of news stories or or tips. That you'd like us to discuss on the show, go and send them our way again at contact at, at contact at this week in Mormons, and we'll uh, we'll try and work it in. So, and 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 please do your best to to keep all news away from Utah. <laughs> we'll we'll do better about keeping it or or broadening the scope next week. But anyway, yeah. Anyway, well, uh, well, thanks, Thank, Al. Thank absolutely. you for your time. It's always fun. And um, thanks all for listening. So for Al, I'm Jeff, and th- this is this week in Mormons. Right.